Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. Some of us mock them, some worship them. But whatever your view, it looks like they're here to stay at least for the foreseeable future. But how might you separate the real thing from the scams? If you've a passing interest, how might you get started? And why are so many damn celebrities trying to sell you one? I'm Adrian Weckler of the Irish and Sunday Independent, and I'm joined to talk about this today by Laurie Kyo, the newly appointed director of NFT Success, at Coinbase, and who's also the founder of Blockchain Ireland, as well as being an adjunct assistant professor at Trinity College Dublin. Laurie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. Great to be back. Laurie, let's assume that listeners have a basic idea of what an NFT is or is supposed to be. Let me ask you, and we're going to get into some of the issues in a while, but if you want to get started with NFTs, what's the best starting point? Talk me through the process. I mean, do you have to pick a platform? Yeah, look, I think the first thing is, what are you looking to do? Um, same as probably anything in life. By creating an NFT or set of uh, NFTs, what are you trying to do? Um, are you trying to connect with your specific, I guess, group of folks um, that you interact with? If you're an artist, if you're a musician, is this a way to connect with your and engage with your fans? And then what's the best way to do that? So I think... The starting point for a lot of folks is definitely that kind of connectivity and community piece. But to answer your question more specifically, then I think when you have a, a strategy and a campaign as to what you're what you're trying to do, um, then it comes down to looking at some of the more kind of fundamental questions as to which are the different NFT marketplaces that are out there. And there are a bunch. So OpenSea, um, Super Rare, Rarible, and soon to be Coinbase's um, NFT marketplace. And they all perform um, in slightly different ways. So it could be that, I guess, the fees that they charge, that will be something to look into. Um, what's the functionality like? Is it easy to use? Do they support all the different blockchains or is it just one? Is it just Ethereum or is it also Solana and many others? And um, can you upload all sorts of different files, for example, or is it the case that they only look after one? Um, so all of those things are important um, as to, I guess, your experience level, but also what you're trying to achieve. Okay, so let's say I'm going to take one particular example. Let's say I want to create an NFT and I have a digital picture or 
piece of music that I have created, by the way, or a video game, or maybe even a tweet that I think is particularly interesting and hilarious. And I want to create an NFT um, around that. Um, so I've chosen my block, my blockchain. Okay. And let's say it's, uh, I don't know, pick one for me. Ethereum. Okay. Let's say Ethereum, which is a common choice. I then have to set up a digital wallet, right? Yes. So that's a, a, an important piece. And actually at the moment, in order to kind of, um, to start the process, the digital wallet acts as that unique, um, piece of the puzzle where you store on a, what's called a self custodial basis. So if you have a digital wallet and you set it up, you are given a, a seed phrase um, and that seed phrase are 12 random words, which is effectively like your passcode to that wallet. Um, and you have to look after those. So because it's self-custodial and it's kind of a, a bit of a, a, a confusing term, basically what that means is if something happens to your wallet, there's no number you can call. You have your seed phrase, which gives you access. And if you lose that, you lose access to your wallet. And that is it. Um, so where you hear of people here is that you, um, that seed phrase, they might have a poem that they write and they'll be italicized words um, on your wall that kind of let their loved ones know what the words are to their specific wallet as the case may be, or there might be, there might be a physical piece of paper that they put in the, in a vault in a bank. Um, but when you create that wallet, um, that becomes an important piece when it comes to NFTs, because what you can do is you create your NFTs on a platform like OpenSea or, um, or SoRare that we mentioned, and then you effectively store your NFTs in that wallet. And if that is yours and you control it, you own it. And so, Adrian, I could, if I bumped on you into the street, I could say, oh, hey, check out my latest NFT. I would open my Coinbase wallet and I would show you the NFT or NFTs that I have. And it's very clear that I am the owner of those nfts because they're sitting in my wallet yeah and it's important for us to point out that as you say if you forget that uh, combination that's it and that others can perhaps get into that can hack it or if they know the combination i'm reminded of there was a very interesting story in december of an art collector in the u.s called todd kramer he had two two million euro worth of nfts six 16 nfts stolen included eight board ape yacht club um nfts and seven mutant ape, ape yacht club uh, tokens um and it was an interesting case because OpenSea, which is the largest nft marketplace actually intervened and froze the nfts after he uh, pleaded for help on twitter but that didn't mean that he got them back and in fact there was some heartless commentary on Twitter about it. One wag tweeted back at him, wow, that's so terrible. I'm really sorry that you got hacked, but can you please change your profile picture since you no longer own it? <laughs> yeah, look, this is the, I guess, the wonderful world of Twitter, uh, which I, I certainly can't control. And I think uh, I, I read that article that you wrote about that, which I thought was pretty interesting. I think somebody else also said, why don't you draw yourself some police? Which <laughs> was <laughs> also <right>. pretty, <laughs> pretty cutting. Yep. Um, but but to your point, look, they're looking after your wallet and your seed phrase is actually no laughing matter. That is really important, really serious. And anyone like what you'll hear over and over again, and it is written frequently by Coinbase and um, 
by many others about this. Never share your seed phrase with anybody. Um, that is rule number one. Um, and keep it in a secure place or location where you know you can reference it or ideally remember it off by heart. Um, but that is really, really important. So um, if somebody... Well, you you, you know, might want to will it. Absolutely. Absolutely. With the lawyer, 100%. Um, um, imagine passing away and having millions and millions in a digital <laughs> wallet and nobody knows how to get into it. And, and look, you know what? It, it's probably happened. And um, that's the sad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, actually, what happens in, in the world of crypto when that happens? That just becomes dead crypto, doesn't it? That's it. Um, that is, and, and this could be instances where there are, you know, large sums or large wallets that maybe even, you know, looked at that haven't transacted in a while. Um, and that's it. It's just, it just sits there. Um, well, well we know, we know that. I mean, ha what's the proportion? Is it a quarter, a third of all crypto we think is inaccessible or lost or just sitting there inactive? Yeah. I've heard a, a similar statistic. Mm. Um, and look, it, it could be the case that they are, you know, um, serious hodlers as they, uh, as they're called or holders. Um, yep. so they're waiting for, for example, Bitcoin to reach a million or, or something like that is the case maybe. And I know that those folks are out there, but going back to our journey of creating an NFT. So let's say you've created your digital wallet and that could be, you know, Coinbase. It could be, there's lots of others as well. Um, you then select your NFT marketplace, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that the example you gave there was OpenSea. Um, so, and what they'll look to do is there'll be a request. You kind of sign up to the platform like you do with any other, and it will say, connect your wallet. Um, and basically it will ask you then to, um, I think, um, you sync up your wallet. I think if I remember correctly, it asks you maybe even to um, add in more details and you create a profile. Um, and then the two are connected. And, and this is an important piece because I think it's kind of great images around web one versus web two versus web three to talk about that for a second. So web one was kind of about um, read-only access and to information on, online. Web two then was getting into read and write and commentary and us interacting, which I guess we've seen an explosion of. Um, and then we get into web three, which is connecting your wallet. Um, and so you connect your wallet to OpenSea that enables you then to create an NFT of anything. And creating an NFT is an important piece to, to say to everybody, it's actually very easy to do. You could have an existing photo that you've taken of a recent walk or a beautiful Glendalough as the case may be. And then basically you upload it and it creates an NFT and you can do this in, in three minutes. It's actually not complicated at all. Um, and I think that's a good thing that the NFT marketplaces are doing. It's, and this is kind of where we're getting with technology is in a push to low code or no code. So you don't have to be a developer to, I guess, participate in this whole world. Um, so within three, four minutes, you've created your NFT and then you can, um, it can sit in your digital wallet. Um, and then that is yours. You can demonstrate you created it, you own it. Um, and then the next step after that is, okay, you've created, well, what do you want to do with it? Do you want to actually put it up for auction? Do you want to, um, I guess, let the world know that you want to sell it? Um, and then that, that's about, I guess, creating awareness and campaigns. So, um, I think the, the musician Mick Flannery here in Ireland has created a set of NFTs um, in relation to a recent album he created. But what's important is if you don't let anybody know, it's like, I guess, you creating a, putting a product in your shop window and not telling anybody you've done anything new. So how does anybody know that you've created something new? You need to create awareness as to what it is, what's the purpose. 
Um, and then I guess um, why it's important to, to the community and your, and your, uh, the fans that I guess you're engaging with. So you've uploaded your file. It might be, as you say, a picture of a walk you, you went on. It might, in my case, be a hilarious tweet. Um, and then you want to make it into a marketable NFT. So then you have to choose what it's going to be. Is it going to be an auction? Is it going to be an open-ended auction? Is it going to be a, a fixed price where you allow the first person who comes along to pay that to, to buy your NFT? But most of the platforms like OpenSea, they allow you to do that, right? Yeah, and this is, we're just kind of looking at some stats in this yesterday. So yeah, it can be straight up price. This is what I want. And either you get it or you don't. And it can be a a traditional auction like Sotheby's or Christie's or something like that. The price starts at X and it goes up and then um, it reaches that that point. Um, 69 million in Christie's (laughs) for people's artwork. Exactly. I think that still blows a lot of people's mind because, and it's something that really focused a lot of people who would have dismissed NFTs and crypto, it really, really focused them to re-evaluate their own thinking about the value proposition behind an NFT. A very, very serious online uh, auction house, one of the, the top two in the world, is selling these digital artifacts you know, for $69 million. Like That's not really play money. No, it's absolutely generational wealth. Is probably what I'd call that. Um, so, and look, it was it was absolutely huge at the time, um, and still is. Uh, typically, I think you know the, the the top end of the spectrum for NFTs is probably more in line with some of the celebrities that you mentioned or touched on, Jimmy Fallon and folks like that, paying two hundred fifty or three hundred k for one of the board ape yacht clubs. I've written a column about the board. Uh, Ape Yacht Club JPEGs. And although obviously, maybe not obviously, but I can tell you I wouldn't pay money for a board Ape Yacht Club JPEG, but that's me. I do get the idea of why some people value art and some people don't value art, but it still blows a lot of people's minds that a JPEG or an NFT of a JPEG can be worth a significant amount of money. Without asking whether or not you would pay uh, for something like that, do you get it? I do. Look, I think a, a big part of it is I, I'm I'm not fortunate enough to to own uh, a board ape yacht club um, <laughs> NFT, um, but I definitely a, a guy I know and he used to work with closely. He bought one, and I I think it's a it's about demonstrating you are I guess part of the community. You believe in this. Um, and there's a social status to it. You know, he, even Twitter brought out the functionality where you're able to link your, I guess, your, your wallet to Twitter um, and then easily display your NFTs on Twitter, um, which then, you know, brings that, I guess, community feel and who you are and who you represent even more. So I think those that are deep in the NFT space um, will all have their, their Twitter profile pick as, you know, their, their, their crypto punks or their board API club or mutant API club as the case may be, or doodles. Um, so it's a, it, it's social status. It's demonstrating you're part of that community um, and that you're fully behind it. Um, there, there are NFTs that I think that are, that are interesting. Um, I, I think I personally, for me, I'd probably be looking at some, some of the more affordable ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you start displaying your NFTs as part of your social profile, that's when a lot of this snark and the culture war stuff 
comes into it because it's irresistible. If if I see somebody, if I see a tech bro, for want of a better term, putting up their uh, their NFT as part of their online profile, there is a little bit of me that wants to go, you're a tech bro, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. Look, at it. people have asked me why I haven't done it. It's just like, oh, look, maybe I'm not there yet. Um, if I if I find one that I really like, maybe I'll go down that path, but... Um... I, th- I think if the term tech bro wasn't loaded, Laurie, I, I suspect <laughs> you, you, you almost would have some sympathy with that. I, I suspect that you might, you know kind of wouldn't mind putting yourself into, into that uh, if there wasn't <laughs> if it wasn't loaded um i think the whole area is there are a lot of very very passionate people in the space like the the, the the comment you made earlier there that was fantastic is that yeah so so the person lost their nft then i need to take that off their their twitter profile that just mm. shows how passionate people are and purists i think that's probably the word i'd use absolute purists when it comes to nft when it comes to crypto when it comes to blockchain um so there are deeply passionate people uh, and they have very i guess firmly held beliefs in this space mm. you mentioned mcflannery in ireland um do you think there's anyone really doing it well here i know the artist kevin abosh is the one who's most uh, cited because he's making millions from selling art in NFTs, but he can't be accused of riding any wave. He has been a longtime advocate um, of NFTs. He was one of the first artists in this space, and now he's making literally millions from selling them, mostly on OpenSea. Um, is there are there any organizations or companies that you're aware of in Ireland that are making go of it? Um, I think what we're starting to see more of, um, and, and through what in Ireland, we had some folks present about this. We're seeing agencies help companies in terms of what they're trying to do with NFTs, which, and it's, it's kind of like that, I guess, brand, that marketing piece as to why do you want to create an NFT? How does it fit with your brand? What would a campaign or strategy look like? How many NFTs are you going to create? Is it going to be one? Is it going to be a hundred? Is it going to be a thousand? How are you going to schedule those drops? Um, and, and ultimately, how does it tie back to who you are as a business? Um, how is it creating better connection with your customers, with your audience? Um, so those those agencies I'm starting to see pop up more. Um, another artist that um, I think that you've mentioned as well in your in your columns is Shane Griffin, who's done a bunch of stuff. He's based in New York, um, and he's got some amazing videos that he's turning to, to NFTs. Um, there's also another gentleman I came across who got in touch. Um, I think he goes by the Twitter handle of I think it's I think it's David Eth um, um, or something along those lines. Um, and he has I think he's got over 116,000 followers on Twitter, and he is a serious um, NFT leader and a, and a global one at that. So it, it's kind of funny what I what I think about this scene in Ireland is it is kind of like looking under a rock, and there's actually quite a lot of activity happening. To your point around the enterprise um, and the company side of things, that bit is really starting to unfold. Um, so there was a, a great piece um, published recently by the Harvard Business Review around NFTs and brand. Um, and they started giving a number of examples. So one was actually about Nivea, which I hadn't heard of. Right. So why is why, why do Nivea care about NFTs? And they created an, an amazing NFT or set of NFTs of a visually impaired lady from Italy who basically touches people's faces with one hand and then on the, with her other hand, she actually draws what she feels. And it's all about the importance of touch, which obviously fits 
fits in with what Humivia are, what they do, and they've created a, a set of NFTs of the drawings that she's created. So that is, it goes oh, to, right. I guess. So, uh, okay, because I, I was going to ask, what does an NFT have to do with any of that? But okay, so that it's an NFT of the set of drawings that she has created. Exactly, based okay. on that touch, which is all about, I guess, skincare and who they are. Um, yeah. And it goes to their brand, their identity, community, and the connectivity. And it yeah, was I, done. I, the other thing I guess you could say about Anivia is they're they're very in with the footballers, and uh, the footballers seem nonstop to be trying to flog <laughs> NFTs at the moment. Nonstop. Um, yeah, and, and look, this is this is the the key thing here. I think for for everybody out there is um, where where's the potential value with the NFTs? Is it something you're passionate about? Um, that you you follow this team, you follow that person, and you feel a, a closer connection to that community, and therefore you want to be part of it. And this provides that mechanism. So be it. I think another key area as to where they're going is definitely that NFTs are act like I guess to use this term um, on ramp. It provides a way, I think, to unlock lots of content in the future. Um, so if you buy this NFT and the Kings of Leon and, and you know this very well, you can then either get access to you know specific or limited content, and people love that. So if I buy this NFT, I get access to a hidden track, um, as the case may be, or a chance to to meet the band or front row seats at their next gig. So what we're seeing NFTs being used for is to unlock provide an on-ramp to limited exclusive content so that could be that if you buy in the future you know if you buy an, an nft to as a form of ticket to go to a sporting event that they that then may result in you having access to a specific commentator for that game or post-match commentary so for me you're getting into that exclusive content piece and, and another practical example that i um i was talking to somebody about is that even Let's say even if you're a gym owner, right? And we've seen because of COVID, gym owners, they're doing their thing day to day physically with their, I guess, with their folks, but then they're doing a bunch of um, online sessions. So if you buy an NFT for XYZ gym, it will give you access to all this other video content that will come out. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, so if I buy one of Paris Hilton's NFTs, will she be my friend? <laughs> um, I don't know about that. Maybe she's probably got a few friends. I don't know how many followers she's got on Twitter. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, one or two last points. Do you think they're going to be a passport into the metaverse? We talk about the metaverse an awful lot. It hasn't really got going yet. It may well do those. Quite a lot of investment going into it from third-party companies, and one of the mechanisms uh, being uh, cited as greasing the wheels in terms of getting commerce going nfts do you, do you think that's likely i i personally i i do i think it's already beginning to happen a good example of that would be that um you can buy certain nfts and in reward for owning that nft you get passive income and um, so kongs is the name of, a, of an nft if you buy it you then get um 10 banana tokens per day which you can spend in the sandbox metaverse so there's this great link i guess between nfts and how you then can use them or the utility around them in the metaverse i think it's i think it's very early days but that is one good example um i, I to touch on gaming for a second i think it's a really important one and i think you know i think a lot, there was a huge amount of hype around nfts and gaming and how's it going to work um and uh, really a, a very important part of gaming and uh, and nfts is if you have a if you have a treasure trove of, 
of um, of specific uh, skins, as the case may be, or attributes that you build up in one game. Really, what a gamer wants to be able to do is you want to have that unique ownership, but you want to be able to take them and then bring them to another game. And can NFTs provide, I guess, the portability of these specific, I guess, treasure trove items from one game to another um, that you specifically own? And I think that is an exciting area um, in the gaming space. There's a huge commercial win there for whoever uh, makes that happen and whoever is on top of the platform. Um, that ends up being the common ecosystem one there, isn't it? Definitely. And not an easy nut to crack. And there's a lot of people... Well, I think who are, who are passionate about, you know, passionate gamers going all on this NFT stuff, you know, I don't know if we believe in it. So I, I don't want to make it sound like it's plain sailing and the gaming world is all over NFTs. I think there's very early days and there are, you know, some some tough nuts to be cracked. Um, one other interesting piece that, that I was chatting with somebody recently, which I thought was fascinating as well, is, is around this whole area of breeding, right? Um, so there was crypto kitties where if you own one crypto kitty and own another, then you could create an, a brand new crypto kitty. And we're seeing Nike do the same things now. So it goes to big companies. So if you own an NFT of one specific set of runners or sneakers, whatever you want to call them, and then um, buy another one, you then create a new NFT. And But then where I think for me, it gets more interesting is that where the virtual or, or the, um, meets the physical world, then Nike are saying, well, in certain instances where you breed two runners or sneakers set together, they will then make those sneakers for you. So then, then that becomes a highly desired, you know, check out my new runners. They were actually two NFTs, which created, spawned a new, uh, a new NFT and Nike sent me out those runners. Like that could go, I think that has the potential to go viral. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, look, uh, Laurie Kyo, uh, thank you very much for explaining all of that to us. Laurie Kyo, who, of course, who is the newly appointed Director of NFT Success at Coinbase. Uh, but that's all we have time for this week. So from me, Adrian Wechter, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, talk to you the same time next week. Bye-bye.